welcome to a special quarantine version of The Drip, the podcast where for academics of color sit around and discuss great books. Each episode features a free-flowing conversation about one book or movie or gasp, two movies, but more on that later, <laughs> that leads us to a broader conversation about race, culture, and politics. All the things that keep us gabbing when we're hanging out in coffee shop or in each other's homes or when each of us are in our own homes and our PJs because we're trying to keep ourselves, our loved ones, and even people we don't like safe and healthy. So I put clothes on today. <laughs> hey, Todd. Special, special day. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, as we do our intros, if you want to, maybe share a little bit about how uh, you're doing and whatever you want. Uh, so I'm Anita Chikatur, the host for the show, and I teach at the Department of Educational Studies at Carleton College. And I think, you know, when we were checking in before the um, sort of recording started, I think mostly these days, I feel really uh, grateful to have a home to stay at home in. I'm grateful to have a job and sort of still have enough to eat, even if it's my own terrible cooking. Um, and, you know, and mostly I enjoy my cooking. Uh, no, that's not true. I enjoy my company, but not my cooking. But who told yeah, you your cooking that. is terrible? Is, <laughs> it's like she's ever... apparently telling herself that. Yeah, yeah. Where, where I think that come I mean from? that's what it is. It's like terribly limited. I wouldn't say like the things I can cook <laughs> oh, are terrible. Okay. Um, it's just I can do like four things, um, and I have not spent the last five weeks trying to become a better cook or bake breads or any you know anything like that. So that is how I am at end of week five in uh, South Minneapolis. Uh, you have to tell us. Okay. All right. Um, I am Todd Lawrence. Um, I teach in uh, English and American culture and difference at the University of St. Thomas. Um, I am doing very well. Um, let's see. I don't even know what to say. Like I've, you, you said a lot of the stuff. I feel very thankful to have a place to stay. I guess my thing, I'll say this. Um, I'm really, you know, what's happening is terrible and um, I really feel for people who have lost people or people who are on the front lines or people who have to go out yeah. or who are essential workers, which tends to be people who are low wage workers. So I really am thankful for everyone who's going out and working and making it so I can get food and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we put that aside, um, staying home and not going out and seeing everyone is like not bothering me that much. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually like, if this is the like end of times, like I'm cool with it. Like as as long as I don't have to go out every weekend or go to work, it's I'm kind of like I'm fine with it. Thanks, Everyone shockingly is silent right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, no, I I was I'm silently agreeing. All right. <laughs> All right, so you go, Crystal. Crystal, Crystal Moten, curator of African-American history at the National Museum of American History in DC. And um, yeah, I agree with Todd. As an introvert, I've been finding it okay to be at home. But what I was saying earlier about being at home um, is that I had done a really good job of separating my personal life from my work life and everything just converges in um, this moment. But nonetheless, um, as Anita mentioned, I'm, I'm still grateful to have a job, to, um, to be able to have the things I need and most of the things I want actually um, during this period. Um, but like, like a lot of people, I am concerned about essential workers. I'm concerned about you know, family and friends who are the most vulnerable. I am concerned that I'm on the East Coast and all of my family and friends mm -hmm. are mostly in the Midwest. And, mm -hmm. 
I can't see them as frequently as I would like. Um, but I think nonetheless, I am still incredibly blessed. Um, so. Thanks. Adriana? I'm Adriana. <clears throat> I teach at Carleton College. Um, I echo all the gratitudes and all of the also like, um, you know, just uh, fears for <clears throat> essential workers and for family members. Um, I, I thought I was an introvert. And in fact, I had a very terrible, no good, like the worst 2019, which led to um, a lot of like desired self-isolation in January and February. And so the weird thing for me has been this moment where suddenly like everyone's like, yeah, quarantine, isolate. And I'm like, wait, no, I, I don't want this anymore. Um, so it's been, it's been hard for me. Um, my son has come home from college um, back to demand food from me. Uh, so like the good things is like he's, you know, um, making sure that I, you know, it's good to have someone to take care of. Uh, it's good to have some, you know, something to take care of. So between him and the cats, um, I, I have a kind of like a rhythm to my day. Uh, which has been really helpful. Um, he came home vegetarian, so that's been a lot of fun to try new recipes. And, uh, and it's meant that I have been baking. Yes, I have. I've made shortbread. I've made uh, regular bread. You know, I, have, um, I am thinking of starting a sourdough starter. Uh, so how do you do that? I don't even know how you do that. Right. Everybody Look, talks about it like it's like building. Go to Twitter. Or, there's lots of stuff on there. Is it hard? Is it? It like... is not hard apparently, <laughs> but like I'm waiting until it warms up a little bit because Minnesota. Oh, okay. But here's what you do: you have one cup of flour. It's mm -hmm. got to be like you know, like not messed with bleached flour, okay. and one cup of water. You mm -hmm. put them together, and then you just let it sit there for about a day, maybe oh. depending on how warm it is, and it's going to start bubbling. And then you take some out, and you feed it again. You feed it more water and more flour. And you do that for about a week. Oh. Yeah. And then you bake it? And then you can use it to like start a bake, but then you still have the starter. So you're always taking and like feeding it again. So just, it, you know, so because if you just fed it and fed it, it would grow and grow and grow like a monster. The way that I imagined that in my mind was that you had to get the starter from someone else and yes. that like, like some, someone four million years ago first started baking sourdough bread. And they've been passing the starter down for a million years, and it's all part of the same starter. From God, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Or from the first bat or whatever. So. Yeah, this yeah. is what's so. amazing. You can actually get starters that have been around for a while. So there's a website. If you just look up free sourdough starter, it will take you, first of all, to this website called Friends of Carl. And <laughs> I <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why it's called Friends of Carl, but basically these are a bunch of people who are maintaining this particular starter alive, so they all have their own versions, oh. um, which apparently dates back to like the 1800s. Wow. Yeah. All That's right. what I, I thought it all was. I'm going to move us on. And don't <laughs> worry, people, this is, has not turned to a podcast of like how to make bread. Uh, <laughs> Maybe people want bad. that more now. Today. I, I Maybe like another bread. day, which a show which I will not be hosting. Um, I just get, myself, <laughs> okay, I just get my bread from the store like normal people. Uh, so. I'm sending you a loaf of my sourdough. Once I, I would start love my that. Starter. I would love that. That I welcome. <laughs> and also, shout out to the United States Postal Service for, you know, sending yes. this mail. And yes, keep that open. So, yes. Um, 
So <laughs> in this episode, we're going to be talking about, like I said, two movies. So two recent movies directed by Black women, Queen and Slim, directed by the American director Melina Matsukis, and Atlantics, directed by French director Mati Diop. And we're pretty sure that both of these films are the women's first feature-length films that they're directing. So both of the movies came out in 2019 and addressed broadly issues of race, class, gender, freedom, change, all the things that, of course, the spoilers love contemplating in our conversations on and off the record. And before we get started, as always, just a spoiler alert, a reminder that when we talk about our books or movies, we will talk about everything. And these did come out in 2019, so just go watch them. You know, I mean, don't go out and watch them. Just stay in and watch them. Um, and as you know, we do call ourselves the All Spoilers Collective. So consider this your perpetual, universal, all-encompassing spoiler alert. In other words, we're all about spoilers and not about summaries. No, no summaries. summaries. <laughs> Thank you, chorus. Uh, or choir. Whatever. I don't know. We're like a Greek oh. chorus. <laughs> um, so before we sort of started recording, we started talking about the movies and Todd, I feel like you had sort of a thought about sort of why these two movies, other than the fact that obviously we wanted to talk about uh, movies directed by black women and sort of give them a shout out. But do you want to say a little <clears> bit more <throat> about that to get us started? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I think that um, both of these movies um, are, you know, in a, in a sort of cultural landscape where the way that uh, black people, people of African descent are, um, depicted is either like as absent or as criminal or as dangerous or you know it's a whole list of ways that are negative um, these two movies depict black people um, not just in positive ways but like in full complete like as human beings right as human beings who are struggling with the uh, issues of being in the world and you get to see kind of more complete I think um, depictions of black people in both of these films. So I think maybe that's the reason why we thought of talking of them about them together is that they both do a similar thing and they do it in very different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I've ever since I've been a kid, right? Like I remember I, when I, you know, I teach, um, I teach uh, cultural studies and I teach film. And one of the things I'm always talking and I teach it to a predominantly white, uh, white uh, classes. And so one of the things that the students don't really understand is like, oh, when I was, when we were kids, black people weren't on television unless it was like the specific black channel or the specific mm-hmm. black time. So like Saturday mornings, whenever a soul train was on, like that, was, that was the time when you saw black people on television mm-hmm. and the commercials were for black people because everything was geared towards black people. And I assume white people were watching another channel. Uh, but but, you know uh, over the years blackness has and other other non-white um you know sort of identities have become more and more prevalent in uh, pop culture and and have been represented so when i see a film like either one of these it makes me feel pretty good inside it makes me feel warm inside to see like versions of myself or to just to see you know um yeah, to see myself reflected back. Um, so uh, that was very long and I'm sorry, but that's kind of the, what I was thinking about with these two movies. Yeah, which is interesting because I feel like in a way, like the contrast is interesting too, right? Because I feel like Queen and Slim 
like blackness and blackness in America is like very much the subject of like what happens in the film and sort of a critique of like how black folks aren't seen as, you know, fully human, aren't seen as people. Where in like, I feel like in Atlantics, it's just like a taken for granted fact of like who they are, right? Because they're in Senegal and they're like there. And I feel like it's not as much of sort of a focus on that in the same way, even though it is kind of, as you said, about sort of blackness in both films. So I do think that's like interesting and I was sort of thinking well, I, about, yeah. Well, it's gonna, it made me think, you know, that blackness in the United States is different from blackness in Africa, right? right? And and um, if anybody who's been, been to Africa, especially a, a black person, I don't know if you've had this experience, but like when I went to Ghana a few years ago, I had this really profound experience of like being in a place where everyone was black as opposed to, you know, being, even if you're in a, a black space in America, you know that there's like a white space just mm -hmm. outside the door or just outside the neighborhood or just outside of the church or whatever it is. And in Ghana, almost everyone was black. And I remember being—I remember being at the National Museum of Art, I think it was—and um, sitting outside of that museum, and I saw a white person walk up the street, and I was like, "Oh, there goes an American!" Is what that was my immediate <laughs> thought, right? Like, and I thought for a second, like, I have this connection with that white person, which is something that I would never have thought mm -hmm. in the yeah. United States. I might have even been had some fear that white person is going to see me in a way that I don't want to be seen. I didn't think that. So it, it made me really think about the way that being black in these two different places was kind of very different, you know? Yeah, and I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, was going to say, I think of these films, well, what I do, what I'm thinking about these films is I think about folks who will perhaps see them 20 or 30 years from now mm -hmm. and that they are a meditation on what life was like for people of color you know, around the globe in, you know, 2019, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and from the perspective of Black women, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I think about it that way, um, I think about some of the kind of issues that both of the films um, kind of deal with from kind of criminal structural inequality one, but thinking about criminal justice, migration, mm -hmm. work, family relationships, sexuality, um, and thinking, okay, this is what, you know, two Black women directors, producers um, kind of were, you know, thinking about as they thought mm. about Black life during this period. And I was struggling with them because, I mean, you all know me, you all know that I struggle with all of these realistic depictions of Black life and how they're all, they can always feel so you know, so negative and so sad. Um, and so at the end of each film, I was not happy. You know, I was, emo it, they, they, they had emotional impact on me. Um, and so I was trying to think about, well, you know, what, 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 sh what should we be getting from these depictions? What should, what can we learn? Um, what viewpoints are, um, are they illuminating? And what I kept coming up with is, kind of, again, going back to kind of centering the lives and the experiences of Black folks, but also, you know, how Black folks are calculating their everyday lives, right, mm. from the perspective of themselves, right? And so thinking about Queen and, Queen and Slim, like how they decided to make every choice they made, mm. um, based on, you know, their experience of being Black people in the United States into the, mm -hmm. in 2019. Um, but then also thinking about, um, you know, Suleiman and Ada 
in Atlantics and, you know, thinking about the complicated ways um, that they were making their decisions for their particular moment and in the particular time they found themselves in and appreciating um, kind of those choices they made, even if they didn't always end up with, you know, me not feeling <laughs> distraught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't, so I think it's really fascinating that you see it as a series of choices, because in both films, I think there's a lot of the recognition of what happens when you actually don't get to make a choice, mm. right? Suleiman dies at sea. The fact that the movie becomes this fascinating kind of gothic ghost story, mm-hmm. like is this, um, like I, I, I like the way you put it at the beginning, Crystal, right? There's these elements of, they're realistic, but they're also fantasies, both mm. of them. And in fact, I feel like I really had to like, for me to make peace with um, what they were, telling us about, in particular, the black women at their core, Mm -hmm. right? Then you have to kind of like grapple with that fantasy and what it does. So for the Atlantics, like the way in which Ada at the end, Ada, um, what's the line she says when she looks straight at the camera? She's like, this is my future or something like that. I think, yeah, I don't remember either. I know she says I'm Ada and yeah. 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 And this is my future. It's something like that. And it's like bold and it's like, it's taken all of this kind of like dispossession, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like being forced to marry someone, trying Mm -hmm. to move away from there, having sex with a ghost. I mean, Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of like, (laughs) 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 she did, she did. I mean, the uh, inspector was hot, but anyway. <laughs> but, but she's not having sex with the inspector. She's I know, really I know. not, right, right? Right, right. Which is fascinating, right? That the inspector, that the police is hollowed out by Suleiman mm-hmm. and who he is, right? And then Queen and Slim, like, let me tell you, I was really angry with that film, like almost all the way through, um, in part because it was cloaked as realism, but at the same time, it had the kind of melodrama of a poem, like that density of image and word that I'm like, no, this is like, this is up here in this kind of abstract space, but pretending to be realistic. So the ending with the cinematic shooting of both of them, I'm like, if you wanted to do Thelma and Louise, I I mean, I think, so let's talk about that fantasy and what that Mm -hmm. fantasy is telling Mm -hmm. us about Queen and about mm-hmm. Ada, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. You gotta, you gotta tell me more about what you mean. I'm about, not following about, you. Like the fantasy, the fantasy Yeah, yeah, part. yeah. I'm trying to understand what your, what your critique. Okay, um, he, I guess here's what I would say. Like for me, Queen and Slim especially, um, you know, you can see the end coming a mile away in the realistic narrative, right? There's yeah. actually no way for them to escape the mm-hmm. getting to Florida, the getting to Miami or Miami, Cuba. Miami. Cuba. It's like a total pipe dream. They know it. We know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, you know, my son watched with me, right? Mm-hmm. And as we watch them get gunned down, <laughs> I love my son. He's like, fuck the police. And I'm like, yes, fuck the police. <laughs> um, but that, that feeling is also like really fake at the time because we all know it's getting towards this moment right. and the spectacularity of it. That's fantastic. The kind of like <clears throat> way in which it is meaningful to us because of who it's, you know, of the story that it's telling the kind of climax of the story it's telling most. Oh, see, I'm getting angry thinking about it. Like um, it takes this 
unfortunately super common kind of like everyday um, vulnerability of black bodies mm-hmm. um, to judicial and police regimens and makes it into a fire show. Um, I know, I know. See, like I just went there and I can, you know, there's, so there's part of me that like gets the poetry of it and says, mm. yeah. And I also wonder about like the being martyred basically. Right. Absolutely. And I was kind of thinking about two things, right? One, I was thinking about that sequence at the end, you know, they're like the little boys are playing basketball and they're wearing mm-hmm. that shirt and then the mural goes up and mm-hmm. how actually that could have worked even if they escaped to Cuba, right? Like it could have been the sort of notion of like honoring them and mm-hmm. sort of like honoring them while alive, right? Like Asata Shakur, which they bring up in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I was thinking about is this notion of like, what is like realistic about the movie and what's fantasy, right? Sort of like even the like initial sequence of things that happens where he kills the cop is like also fantasy, right? Yeah. Like I think, yeah. that, like, you know, sort of sort of thinking about like where is it that they chose to like make it fan, not fan, not fantastical, but just sort of a unrealistic perhaps, right? So maybe I don't know if that's like, and maybe it's like fantasy in the terms of like what people imagine wanting to happen in those situations, right? Because it's, right. you know, like I was watching in this, I went to see the movie at like a preview Actually, that Todd got me a ticket for it. couldn't go, and then couldn't go, uh, but it's okay. Because I'm an idiot, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like, you know, mostly, like, mostly Black folks, mostly folks of color in the theater when I watched it, so it was actually really interesting for me to, like, hear the audience react to, like, certain moments in the film, um, and so, like, when that, like, when he shoots the cop, like, people cheered, right? Like, people erupted in cheers in the movie theater, versus, like, when that other cop in the protest gets killed by the other young boy, mm-hmm. right? And, like, that was just, like, gasps of shock right yeah. so it was just like interesting to like think about like what and even that to me felt so unrealistic too like that whole mm-hmm. sort of yeah thing, like, I didn't like that things. sequence really. no I, yeah, and I feel, and, especially that it was like juxtaposed with them having sex and I'm like I'm not even yeah. sure that was like, pretty yeah, cliche. this is like saying yeah uh, but I think the fantasy thing in like Atlantics was like interesting for me because like in some ways, like, they do get a measure of justice, right? Like, the boys still mm-hmm. die and the men still die, but the women get the money, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, also in some ways it's, like, fantastical because I bet a lot, like, that's also probably doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was, like, interesting to think about, like, where does, like, movie and, like, fantasy, like, push this, right? Uh, which also made me think about, like, Get Out, and I forget if we talked about this when we talked about Us, but, like, the alternative ending where, like, he gets caught and gets put in jail was, like, mm-hmm. apparently the first ending. Wait, wait, but how do you see the alternative ending? I don't remember. Oh, because it's out there in YouTube world or whatever. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, no, we didn't talk about it. I mean, that. I haven't seen that, but it's like, right, but instead, like, he chose to put this, like, maybe unrealistic but it's like actually Mm -hmm. like a way to like think beyond right like what is possible and to think beyond right sort of this like this could be a possibility where the tsa agent comes and like you know gets him and like he escapes um but that's a tremendously cathartic moment too right like that releases what you so the the contrast between what you expect to happen and know would happen in real life and then this other thing happens that releases that tension but um, um, can I say one more thing? Yeah, Sorry. Please. But I think that made me think about your point, Crystal. It's like, why is it though then these like black women directors chose to have like this mm-hmm. particular ending and like this particular kind of way to like navigate that? Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's just like well, interesting to me to think about that. Ahead, can I say just to, yeah, to take it back because so I maybe I watched Queen and Slim differently or, um, but I saw, I mean, I was watching it first as a remake of Bonnie and Clyde 
And second, yeah. um, I was yeah. watching it as a sort of folk narrative of the of the the bad man and the bad woman, like the yeah. sort of creation of a, of of sort of like almost a superhero um, sort of birth story or creation story. And so, like you said, um, Adriana, I mean, we know that they're being propelled towards this sort of imminent uh, moment where they're both going to be killed because we know in the United States when you kill a cop, you're going to get killed. That's there is no especially if you're black, right? Um, but it's what, what happens along the way, like what develops between the two of them, what develops between them as growing sort of celebrities and what they mean for the black community. And so it's, it's very re like reflective of, um, you know, like uh, uh, different um, black folk heroes, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in black folk tradition, you know, so, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I didn't see, I, I, I saw that ending and it is like, I think the, to watch the ending, to watch anyone be gunned down in the, and especially in the way that it, it happens in that film where she, you know, she's shot first and then he picks her up and starts, right. walks straight, straight towards the, the cops. But I, I was thinking of it comparatively to, you know, the Bonnie and Clyde film from this, it's the sixties or early seventies. Yeah. Which yeah. by the way, the director very adamantly says she is not following in that uh, genre. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, mean, I definitely see the like, you know, she doesn't not so. know it, right? Like, I of mean, course, she of knows course, it exists, right? It's so just like it, interesting to me that she's like very been like, no. Like it's <laughs> yeah. not a remake of that. Yeah. But it is. Or even a influence, she says, so. Uh, okay, well, you can girl. say that. I don't see, I don't see how it could not be in some right. ways a response well, to it, you know. In a way, like, and I didn't catch this the first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it, mm -hmm. so the cop who shoots Queen kind of didn't, like, she sort of, you know, like, the guy, like, who's, like, in charge mm -hmm. keeps saying, hold your fire. Right. Mm -hmm. And she looks like she sort of did it almost accidentally, mm -hmm. and I thought that mm -hmm. was, like, an interesting... Mm -hmm. thing right so in some ways it's like this yes it's inevitable and like that's what they keep saying that it's like if you kill a black you know a cop i'm sorry like you're gonna get mm -hmm. killed but mm -hmm. it seemed like they were trying to and I, I thought that was just like an interesting choice to make rather than just like shoot them up which in bonnie and clyde it is like the sudden and they just get killed and that's the end like you mm -hmm. don't see like any mm -hmm. of that ending mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm just I mean, curious about that I, I mean i think it's it's be, that's I, I that's part of i guess what i mean about like the fantasy of this film mm. and i i todd i really appreciate what you're pointing out about the beginning of the you know the journey trajectory too because it does feel like uh, the journey of heroes right or mm -hmm. mythic figures mm -hmm. so that the beginning is fantasy um and then the kind of the propelling of that story is like building onto that fantasy and onto that mythos mm. um and the ending, uh, you know, whether it, it, it happens by accident at first, but then it almost like has to be walked into to make it right. a true martyrdom, right? right. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of that, we get this kind of story of, so what does it mean to be seen as a woman? Um, uh, what does it mean to actually be loved, you know, for who you are and not for like some kind of ideal of femininity or of a kind of role you might play in a household. Um, and I guess that's the other thing that's like really, it, I, I like the film. I don't want it to sound like I don't like the film, but I think it's a really interesting mix of, of stories that it's trying to tell, right? This mythos as we're talking about, but then also this um, class uh, cutting story, right? Like mm -hmm. what does it mean to like, um, build a relationship across class lines mm -hmm. when the very language that they speak at the beginning of the film 
it's not going to get them there. Mm -hmm. So it takes being the target of um, Mm -hmm. a manhunt, a woman hunt, a hunt, right? What about, okay, so I I was thinking, um, I I wrote an article like a couple of years ago about what it, what it means to see, like, basically, I was arguing that seeing um, police uh, involved shooting videos that actually people were using those videos to connect with other people um, and to yeah. actually build something positive out of something that's really horrifying. Like basically the experience of, of watching uh, a, a black person be killed on the video is of understanding that you are abject, right? Like if you're black, right? Like that's, that's, that's basically showing you that you can be killed at any moment, yeah. something that you know, but something that is being confirmed by watching that. Right. And, in some ways there's a way in which you are um, brought together or sort of um, feel connected to other black people who are watching this as well. And that, you know, with um, certain uh, videos that were put online, there a lot of the uh, conversation um, in the comments from black people to each other was like, and with Philando Castile in particular, right? Like there was conversation contemporaneous to the murder where people were like, I've got, we got to tell people, we, people have to see this, we have to, you know, and so this kind of feeling of like, we got to do something, right? Mm -hmm. So I say all this to sort of make the point, the possible point that um, in response to what you're saying, Adriana, that when they have this run in with the police and she's shot and he shoots the police, that brings them together, right? Like that is the sort of ceiling kind of Mm -hmm. factor that they both realize doesn't matter if you are, a prosecuting attorney or whatever she was, or def- I forget if she's a prosecuting attorney. Yeah, I think. She's a um, and uh, you know, that oh, they no, come maybe from- she's a defendant because she talked. About yeah, she's defense a defense attorney. Yeah. yeah, I think she's a defense attorney. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't matter that those lines are are just sort of melt away because you're both black, right? And you're you're sh- you're made to understand what blackness means in the moment when the police shoots at you, when the police stops you and doesn't really have a reason to do it, and when they treat you this way. Um, and she's sort of insisting on like you know, the rules still matter, but they don't really matter. And she finds that out. And then like, I just sort of extended to that moment when they're in the, in the juke, you know, down South Mm -hmm. and, and the bartender says, y'all are safe here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's this sort of moment of black solidarity, which has, they've been sort of moving towards, moving towards from the very beginning of the film. So I don't know, like I, I tend to see like the, I don't know, the, the shocking and, and awful parts of the film as pro, um, propelling us towards understanding or propelling us towards seeing blackness sort of coalescing in characters with each other. Does that make any sense? I think that's why I think about it as a poem. Okay. Right? I think the more I think about it as a narrative, I, I find it problematic at a number of levels. But when I think about it as a poem, right, where these kind of movements of flight and of like propelling forces and violence moves us towards these moments of beauty and these moments of solidarity. Like, I mean, and then I can kind of make sense a little bit more, for example, of the making love at the same time that that young boy shoots the police officer. And then he must have gotten killed off camera, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we hear about it later from Flea. Right whatever right. his character's name was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is interesting to me because I feel like it was both about like, like kind of talking about black solidarity, but I think what I also appreciate about it is that it doesn't make blackness a monolith, right? Like there's all these mm-hmm. characters who, right? So like both, even in like the first 
scene with the cop where he's like, just get back in the car, just sit down, like, you know, and like, and then she's like, do you really think it would have mattered either way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you would have gotten probably shot, like, no matter what she did, right? So there was that. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about uh, the mechanic who fixes the car, right? He was basically like, you're making this like hard, like you're making life harder for us by doing Mm -hmm. this, right? Like for, and for us. And then I was thinking of obviously the guy at the end who betrays them and like, calls the cops on them and lets them know where they are. So it's kind of thinking about that in terms of even your first point, Todd, that it's like, obviously they're like white folks in, um, in this movie, but it's like, it wasn't necessarily like a monolithic um, sort of depiction of blackness, which I actually kind of appreciated, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. sort of, it is solidarity, but it's not like everybody. Well, that's <laughs> right? like what real black solidarity is, yeah. right? Is yeah, that right. There, exactly. it isn't a monolith, you, there's no yeah. single way to be black, but there are ways yeah. that black people sort of realize like, oh, this is, like um like sort of baseline what it means to be black because you can be killed at any moment you Mm -hmm. are under threat by you know the the systems of oppression and power in this nation etc etc so i think yeah um and i was thinking i just want to say one thing to go back to adriana's you know talking about it being a poem i mean it makes perfect sense because those sort of black folk heroes the the bad men and bad women those stories were poems, right? Like Stagger mm-hmm. Lee and Kissy Lee, like those are um, mm-hmm. oral poems that were, you know, repeated in barbershops and in on the corner and in liquor stores and wherever, you know, like the first time I heard those things was in the barbershop with my dad, you know, and somebody saying, you know, tell a story about Stagger Lee or tell this story or whatever. And it's a poem, it, it rhymes, you know, and that sort of thing. So um, they, really terrible things happen in those stories. And usually the hero gets killed, but in the end, they're celebratory stories because mm-hmm. you witness um, a black person doing something that you can't do, right? Mm-hmm. And even their killing, um, they become a hero in the fact that they've done this thing that you can't do and they've um, sacrificed themselves because they wouldn't give in to the powers which sought to control them, right? And in that, there is like this in this empowerment for people who tell retell the story and who watch this film I think you know to me that's the way I felt when I watched the film like it is it's a horrible scene at the end and I was near maybe tears when I was watching it but then you know like okay people will wear the shirts and people will put up the murals and people will tell the story and the story will get bigger than what actually happened which is what the film is maybe that's again the reference to that like mythic versus the real right um can you say more about like i've never heard of this like is is it kind of a similar genre and they're like they do become like martyrs after they get killed or what's kind of the do you mean the 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 bad man yeah the folk yeah yeah i mean they're like so stagger lee is probably the most famous uh, bad man um sort of hero in black folk tradition and there are I want to say there's probably like 200 songs about wow. um, Stagger Lee. Okay. He has, and his name is different. Like there's like a bunch of different versions of his name. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's like Railroad Bill. There's a whole bunch of them. And then there are all these other kinds of stories that are, they're sort of a part of black masculine folk culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are uh, women like Kissy Lee is probably the most famous bad woman. Yeah. Um, and then I can't, I think, I can't remember if Kissy Lee dies or not. I'm, that's, I'm not remembering that one, but Stagger Lee definitely dies. The police kill him in the end. Yeah. I think there oh, might so be one. Interesting. Yeah, it might be yeah. one. Well, yeah, he kills, he kills a guy for touching his hat at a bar mm. and then the police chase him. And then in, in most versions he dies in the end, but I think there's one, there might be some versions where he um, oh, wow. goes to jail 
Um, but anyway, yeah. So this is like a yeah. It's a it's, it's a pretty totally common thing. relevant, right? That like the movie doesn't give us Queen and Slim's uh, you know real names and putting quotes mm-hmm. around real mm-hmm. until the very ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, even with her family, you know, we meet the uncle what three fourths of the way through. Mm-hmm. But even with him, we don't really quite. It's hard to figure out the family relationship, the backstory, about yeah. him. Yeah. So it's not until the funeral um, right. that we get that. Can I also say that Bokeem Woodbine as the uncle, like I was so happy to see him yeah. in the movie. Like I haven't seen yeah, him yeah. in a movie for years. I was like watching yeah, it. I was like, Bokeem Woodbine. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I who's, who's that? I right. Like, well, I didn't remember his name, but I was like, I know who he is. I know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that funeral at the end with like, that was fascinating with, uh, yeah. You know, um, the fur Slim, coat and everything. Well, and Slim's family, and then her mm-hmm. uncle. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a, it was mm-hmm. a, both a regional and class and backgrounds yeah. coming yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to kind of go to the other movie, although people want to say more about this at school, I guess I had another question that I didn't like think about the first time I watched Atlantics, but the second time. So the inspector's the only male who gets like possessed. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of curious about that because, like, I think I understood that mostly the women were like possessed by their um, boyfriend, male partner, person, mm-hmm. maybe. Like, I don't know if there was like a one-to-one correspondence. Although that also confused me because I'm pretty sure like Mariyama was also possessed and I thought she made a whole big deal about how no. she wasn't a slut. No, she wasn't she, like- She was not possessed. She was not possessed. She was sick, but she wasn't possessed. Oh, okay. Because I, mm-hmm. I thought she wakes up one day and her feet were like also like bloodied up, which kind of, um, I thought that she was going to, but maybe she wasn't. Anyway. So that's less important. I was kind of curious about the choice of like having the guy, like why just that one guy being possessed by Suleiman? Yeah, I was I was kind of confused by uh, Suleiman's inhabitants of the wait. So you guys want a logical explanation? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of yeah. a possession movie. Well, so why Suleiman wanted to have a penis? When <laughs> that was what I was going to say. It was. Oh, I was like, is that what it was? Normative. Symbolic. Or I was like, I think it could be too, right? I mean, because it ends up that the po- that the police who are you know investigating and who are you know basically exerting all this pressure on everyone that it's actually them. He has. I don't know. There's got to be something else there. I don't but know. That was the first thing I, I thought is like, well, it's heteronormative. Like, that's but you're not wrong, Todd. Right? That the the police have clearly. Um, I can't remember the name of the rich guy who's building the town. Right. Right. right? But they've got a kind of like um, yeah. deal with him right. where they oh, kind right. of, they're like protecting yeah. him. They're protecting mm-hmm. him. Yeah. They're making sure that he doesn't have to pay his workers. Yeah. Right. And I think maybe yeah. like one way that um, because Suleiman wants to like disrupt the, you know, the, the wedding, wedding. Mm-hmm. and one way he can get in there is to inhabit the, the um, inspector. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that kind of doesn't. <laughs> no, you, you shouldn't question in that movie. Okay, but, okay, which is fair. Fine, that's fine. But that's yeah, fine. I mean, it all comes together very well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I was like still really confused about like what exactly was happening, and I was, yeah. and I think this time because I knew I was gonna rewatch it and like talk about it, I paid more attention to like everything. Right? Yeah. I was kind of like, okay, like you know, there was like the um, kind of the little moon, and then it becomes like a full moon. I was like, okay, it's so, like a few more days have passed. So I'm right. like, okay, like, well, you were really detective, right? <laughs> no, really, I only like, watched person. it one time. <laughs> I was like trying to pay more attention. Thank God, so. some of us take our jobs. 
seriously. Our non-jobs, seriously. Yeah, our non-jobs, seriously. <laughs> well, so here's a question for you. I've only had a chance to watch it once. <laughs> Me too. So at what point did it become clear to you all that this was a supernatural story, not just a kind of like, um, like love story that was going to be tragic in some way? Well, I think when I realized that the women were possessed, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, right. So that's until basically... that moment where we see them yeah. all. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's, that's when I first too. noticed, but I was like, maybe I missed something. No, yeah, I don't think so. And I feel like that's part of the, I mean, I thought it was like interesting to think about this notion of like, right, like, you know, obviously lots in the news about migrants going out into the sea and mm-hmm. kind of thinking yeah. about, right, and rather than like following them, it sort of stays with the people yeah. who la- who get left, mm-hmm. who are left behind, right, in some ways. Yeah. So that was like an interesting, so I don't think it's like, I don't think we're supposed to know until like yeah. that first moment when the girls are at the um, the guy's house and like, you see their eyes in there, right? Yeah, and, so, and I think once yeah. again, you know okay. how you were talking, Adriana, about like this kind of um, tension between the supernatural and the realistics in uh, in these films. Like, in, yeah. um, I think you see it here, but it's not. Um, I mean, I'm by no means an expert on this, but I have seen some um, some of the videos from like about ten years ago when Africa, like um, Ghana, and um, and uh, some other West African countries have this really bustling um, video, um, uh, like industry, like you could basically go to hmm. the market and buy these videos. And uh, one of my uh, one of my friends, um, Carmela Garitano, works on uh, studies the video mm-hmm. she used to. And she does uh, other stuff now, but anyway, she, so I had access. She had like this huge collection of Ghanaian film. Um, uh, videos that you know popping in and watching and they are almost all like that like so there's always some kind of supernatural like witches or possession or something like that so those eyes like that's a pretty recognizable visual trope from that that tradition of video making Um, so I think like an African audience would immediately recognize that Mm. oh that's what's happening is possession and it wouldn't be a very unusual thing for them to see for us it's it's you know kind of a little bit different and, and perhaps like what's going on like yeah. um yeah. and i think so i thought it was really interesting would if you think of them maybe as um zombies in mm-hmm. that sort of connection because huh. uh, in uh, the history of zombies like in um haiti for example mm-hmm. is really tied up in labor and you know oh, wow. the, um the occupation of haiti by the american army which forced people to work mm-hmm. And so like people who write about zombies and the sort of zombie tradition in Haiti sort of always talk about its connection to labor. Mm. And here you have it in this film where these guys are being forced to, well, they're not being forced to, but they're working for no pay, essentially what was happening Mm -hmm. to people in in Haiti too. So I just wondered about that connection with, could we call them zombies maybe? Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, okay. both yeah, both make know. sense. Like yeah. possession makes sense. You have so many like um, African uh, based religious beliefs that mm-hmm. include possession as part of the practice and ritual, and then you also have like the zombie tradition, which goes all the way back to West Africa. So it could be that too. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's like possession for justice, right? Which is like a, right. maybe a whole, I don't know. And if, I don't know if in Haiti that was that part of the like lore of like zombies was that it was around fighting injustice or? No, it was like to okay. explain how people were basically made into slaves, right? Okay. And were forced to labor without being paid um, to build roads and all kinds of stuff like that. So uh-huh. like if you're, you know, generally speaking, if you're made into a zombie, you're stolen, right? Like you're stolen mm-hmm. and forced to labor. Um, 
and you don't get to own your body anymore. So I don't know, maybe okay. it doesn't fit quite. Maybe no, it's, it's like a curious. kind of re, rethinking of that, mm-hmm. you know, because you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. This is about justice, right? I, I do think it's fabulous, though, that it's the women who are possessed by the men mm-hmm. um, and who demand justice. Because mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, what Ada is doing is demanding justice, right? Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. trying to, I mean, the, the, that scene where she gets examined by the doctor for her virginity <sighs> yeah. um, is so excruciating and they don't even show that much. And yet it's just like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and when they leave, right? Um, her mother, I can't remember exactly how she says it, but she's like, Ada, like, you know, like, um, you know, wait up for me, like, hold on. And Ada's really mad. And she's like, I didn't ask for this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your dad did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we yeah. see the- well that's that's kind of like what the whole movie whole, is about right is right. to possess your own self yeah love who yes. you want to and that's why yeah. it ends in like i am ada right like right. that's interesting. right yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and yeah. i think that you know like in that scene where she's the doctor like it, it focuses just on her face right and i think that was like a really great choice to make right so it wasn't about like well, you know, it was like about how she was experiencing that moment and how she was mm-hmm. thinking about it, which actually, I mean, sort of your point, Adriana brings me up, like, I wanted to kind of think maybe a little bit more broadly about gender in both of the movies. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I was thinking about, I mean, maybe this is petty of me. And like, I feel like I, I didn't write, like, I did not like that the iconic sort of photo of like Queen and Slim is where like Queen is looking at Slim rather than yeah. just like looking out. And I was kind right. of like, I don't know, right? I was <laughs> just yeah. like, why? <laughs> like, they're both mm-hmm. like equal mm-hmm. sort of like partners in this. But, and like, but I don't know. Yeah. Part of the story of Queen and Slim feels like um, that for Queen, like finding someone who could love her and her scars mm-hmm. um, is also giving herself up, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. part of what we see happening, like both in that iconic image and then in the, the very moment at the end, right? Where... Like, yes, she gets killed first, but she's also like, she's acknowledging in that moment, I can't remember their dialogue, but she's basically saying, I love you, right? Like, this is it. I Mm -hmm. I am giving you myself. Yeah, because in that moment, it harkens back to a conversation that they had about, okay, you know, what do you, you know, most Mm -hmm. want in love? And he was like, well, I want someone to always stand by my side and hold my hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, I'm holding, I'm going to hold your hand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of that iconic picture, I also was wondering, and this is just me making up stuff, um, (laughs) because in this- this, That's what we're all doing. And this entire movie, she is, you know, revealing little small parts of herself, right? We don't entirely know who she is, her background, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, uh, we don't know a lot about her. And so turning away from the camera, could it have been a moment where I'm not ready to look Mm. full on and expose my true self? I'm going to turn away. (laughs) Also, I mean, he was just on that side but anyway so I was thinking about that (laughs) as as one Mm. more opportunity for her to kind of you know just give us not all of herself you know in in that moment I like that I like that yeah 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 I think are we at the end (laughs) <laughs> that happening? we're like hmm, good point <laughs> I, I, I mean we, we are yeah kind yes Adriana did send us the five minute warning and yeah. so um but yeah if you haven't seen them please check them out Atlantics is on Netflix if you have Netflix and I think Queen and Slim you just have to 
buy and get somewhere um, yeah. unless you I don't know I think and so, we won't say where you can we won't say right. where we just choose your where. choose yeah. your place to get Pick those so yeah um, and I I'm, um, <laughs> I did watch exactly Bonnie and Clyde because like Todd had told me that that's like and I don't really understand why that's such a celebrated movie just side note I'm like it made no sense but I did well, back, also back then there were fewer movies <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> people were just like this movie is a movie but the movie I that I it. did think about which was one of my favorite and I apologize to adriana because i made her watch it without really telling her what it was is set it off which is like one of my oh, oh set it off is dope oh, but yeah. set it off is yeah. it was awesome it yeah. was but i sort of told her it was uh we watched it after we watched uh girls trip and i was like yeah. oh we should watch this other one mm-hmm. yeah it's just like girls trip <laughs> it's like nope sorry it's very violent and but i do still love that movie so i also had a chance to rewatch that um, that's so a great of, movie everyone should watch that movie yes. were you gonna do a speaking of girls trip no. <laughs> speaking of girls' trip, the, speaking of things you should go watch, because Jada Pinkett Smith um, posted um, recently that they were going to have like some kind of Instagram girls' trip. Uh, oh, I didn't okay. catch when or where, but like maybe look for it. That's cool. Uh, no, speaking of movies, you should all watch. We're gonna just go do a round of uh, saying maybe movies, books, songs that are keeping us company right now, as we keep away from the physical company of our family and friends. Uh, <laughs> you know, again, involuntarily. Like involuntarily. You, you made it sound like we're doing it on purpose. Like, just, can't stand them. Uh, can't stand them. Um, <laughs> I can start, and then I'll sort of call on people to do that. Uh, so mine is starting out with a shout out to Ross Gay's The Book of Delights, which truly is like delightful to read. And I feel like I just finished that book and was just like, Gay just seems like a lovely human being. And I feel like we just need more of that these days. Um, and also really like Marshan Kamali, I hope I'm saying that name right, her novel, The Stationery Shop, which was just like a good hearty novel that had this like satisfying ending that had me sobbing in like a good way, I think. Um, and then two series I want to recommend. First, the miniseries Unorthodox, uh, which is on Netflix based on Deborah Feldman's 2012 memoir, Unorthodox, The Scandalous Rejection of My Hasidic Roots. And the other miniseries on Netflix is Self-Made, which is um, based, maybe I'd say like based loosely <laughs> on the life of Maida, uh, Madame C.G. Walker. And very thanks loosely. to Crystal. Yeah, very loosely. <laughs> uh, so thanks to Crystal, I also watched this great discussion of the series hosted by the Association of Black Women Historians, which provided a lot more context uh, about um, C.J. Walker and also address some of the moments in the series that even as a non-historian that made me go, hmm. <laughs> so, why did they do that? Why, why? When they make, when they make yeah. movie or TV about <laughs> historical figures, why do they always do that? I don't know. So, Money. yeah. Money, yeah. that's true. But, so, but they're, yes. they're real, the real story is always good too. Why you gotta that's change true. it? That's, that's true. true. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. part of what like the historians were saying. They were like, actually, there was so much good stuff in like her actual life and sort of rather than this like thing that they made. Although, you know, again, it's we need more and more things about like black folks and especially black women. So we just sure. hope that this is like a start of a thing and not just like the only thing. So those are my what was that? Four things. Two series, two books. Um, Todd, you want to go next? Uh, okay, um, let's see. I am reading, I just started reading this, and I'm pretty obsessed with M.K. Jemison right now, N.K. Jemison right now. Um, I'm teaching a class uh, right now on uh, speculative black fiction, and so we just got done reading the fifth season um, with students, which was like reading the fifth season right now mm-hmm. while all this stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, all that we read, you know, Parable of the Sower and stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. been uh, really interesting and 
emotional and all that kind of stuff to read with students. Anyway, so I read the second one in that in the series, um, and I will start the third one soon. But she has a new book out that's called The City We Became, which is about New York City and a sort of apocalyptic kind of uh, thing. So uh, I would recommend that. I've read about the first, like, I don't know, 25 or 30 pages, and it's really blown my mind. Um, also, uh, we just started watching the on Netflix the series Waco last night about the Branch Davidians and David Koresh. It's pretty good so far. Like, I like uh, FBI-type shows. Um, if anybody's watched Mindhunter, that's, like, my favorite, 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 favorite mm-hmm. show. There's two, there's two uh, seasons of that. Um, I want to watch – you guys seen Queen Sono on uh, Netflix? It's, like, an African um, series. Um, oh, it's, like, a fat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think she's, like, solving crime or something like that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, but that's on my list. And the one thing I will, the, the thing that I've watched in the last few days that's made me the most happy is a documentary called The Case of the Three-Sided Dream, which is about the jazz uh, musician, Rasan Roland Kirk, who was uh, born blind. Um, he, uh, his thing was he played multiple instruments at once. So he would play like three saxophones at the same time. Um, and he had a stroke at the, like at the age of 39 or something. And, um, he could only use one of his hands and he continued playing. He had his saxophone modified so he could play the top and the bottom with one hand. And he played for a couple more years before he died. Um, and it's fascinating. Like the, the story itself about him is fascinating, but the documentary is really, really well done. Like a lot of imagery because he had this, his whole sort of like, um, his religion was dreams. Like he followed his dreams, like, um, and did everything that his dreams told him. So there's a lots of like uh, animation of his dreams and things like that in the, in the documentary. So I liked it a lot. Made me happy. Thanks, Todd. Uh, mm-hmm. Crystal? Yeah, speaking of uh, Black women in business and entrepreneurship, I'm reading uh, Marsha Chatelaine's newest book um, called Franchise, The Golden Arches in Black America, which really is a history of um, connections between civil rights entrepreneurship and McDonald's franchises and kind of the ways in which uh, African-American franchises used kind of their McDonald's to promote African-American pride, heritage, (laughs) politics, et cetera, in the post-1968 U.S. So that just came and I just started um, reading it. And I just say that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's good so far. um, So... Yeah. yeah, I love it when like some when some academics do some stuff and you're like, how do you think about that? How would you come up with that? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and the, and the, the interesting thing is Marsha Shatlin is also the author of Southside Girls, which is um, a book about kind of um, black girls on the south side of Chicago. And so I didn't realize this um but she's, I think she's also from the South Side of Chicago. And so she opens her introduction to franchise talking about the importance of going to these black owned McDonald's before and after church, you know, after school, et cetera. And that's totally my experience too. Um, and so it was just this moment of connection and understanding, you know, how important these spaces were, even though now we look at fast food and we think kind of all of the negative, you know, health impacts, but um, you know, historically, they have meant much more than that. And so she kind of yeah. uncovers their kind of economic, political and social meaning um, over the years. So thank you. Thanks, Crystal. Um, Adriana. 
I just want to say I'm impressed with y'all, like actually managing to read long form things and have attention spans. That's all very, very cool. Um, I have found it really hard to concentrate in these times. Um, I am managing to uh, give myself comfort by watching oldies and favorites like Scrubs. <sighs> It's just such a funny show. It's so ridiculous, but like all the jokes. Um, I have also um, enjoyed Nailed It. They have new episodes oh. on Netflix. Oh. And um, yeah, there's not one of those episodes where I am just not falling down <laughs> laughing. Um, so I appreciate both those things. Yeah. I also have the new N.K. Jemison like waiting for me. But like, let me tell you, apocalypses, like we're living through one. It's yeah. really hard to read about <laughs> one. <laughs> you know, though, but it like helps you to understand what's going on a little bit, you know, like, I don't know, maybe because I was doing it in a class and we, I would be like, like okay, so what's it. apocalyptic about what's happening, you know? And they're like mm. saying it and then they're like, yeah, that's, that's worse than what we're having. And it's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it makes you feel yeah. a little bit better. Maybe a little bit better that it's not actually yeah. totally the apocalypse. We don't have to like leave and yes. pack our lives and walk to Canada True. or something. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so check all of those things out. <laughs> and, you know, and when we post about this, let us know what you're watching to help you keep company and sort of, you know, stay. Or reading. Out. Watching or reading. Watching, watching or reading. reading. That's true. <laughs> They're still about books. We do still like books. Uh, we do so, like books. Um, so we're not entirely sure what we're going to do next. So keep an eye out on our Twitter account for any updates. And I'm thinking it'll probably be a book. Uh, but, you know, so keep an eye out on that. And in the meanwhile, you know, let us know what you think about our takes on these movies or any of the other books we've discussed in the past. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, a bunch of other places. And I don't know, do you want to list some of them, Todd? Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, I don't know what the, it's places. every place, any place you can find a, a podcast, a podcast yeah. we're there. We're there. Yes, so. we're there. Yes. So Look in the it. back of your mind, we are there. <laughs> okay, that sounds really creepy and like yeah, a zombie, that's what it was but, supposed okay, to be. Uh, so thank you all for listening and we hope that you're all staying safe and healthy and we're sending out big virtual hugs to y'all. All the virtual hugs. hugs. All of the hugs. All right. Hugs, hugs, Bye hugs. y'all. You've been listening to a new episode of The Drip Recorder remotely from St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Northfield in Minnesota and Washington, D.C. The Drip is written, produced, and directed by the All Spoilers Collective, which is Anita, Adriana, Crystal, and me. Our mascot is Bash the Dog, and he is back home from New York and staying through the summer. Our music is by Lord Jordan X of Kansas City, Missouri. And after we got done recording the episode, we decided on Wayette Moore's She Would Be King as our next book to discuss. I know we've talked about other books in previous episodes, but with everything that's going on right now, we decided this is a book that we want to talk about right now. So until next time, which will be soon, be safe and healthy. Take care of each other.